Mario's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my face? You like it? Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid, although after penalties have been applied we're probably more like middle of the grid. Uh, my <laughs> name is Chris Evans and I'm joined as always by Tom King. Hello. And not joined by Stu Greenwood, who is um, on location in Italy. Unfortunately the wrong bit of Italy, <laughs> but he's in Italy <laughs> all the same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just, just the two of us this week while Stu's sunning it up in, where is he? Uh, he's in Florence at the moment, Florence, I think. Florence, yeah. yeah. Look at him. Indeed, very much so. Yes. I think I'd rather be there, even if I wasn't at the race, I'd rather be there than here at the minute. Yeah, he looks like a lot less rain there as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're here to talk Monza. Um, I guess we'll start with qualifying, which was a <clears throat> interesting. Um, if you'd like to actually hear us talk about qualifying, you may need to fast forward two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton eventually took pole and got the all-time record of 69 poles, um, but he had to wait for it. There was a two-hour, 40-minute delay in qualifying while they were faffing around in the rain, deciding if it was too wet or not. <clears throat> um, I, it was sort of Grosjean's crash that triggered the first red flag, and they just yeah. didn't restart after that, really. Um, I mean... The whole situation was a little bit of a mess yet again. They've not been very good at dealing with rain for a few years now, have they? No. Um, Grosjean's crash was a slightly worrying one, though, in a sense, yeah. just because he was doing, what is it, 300 kilometers an hour down the start-finish straight and got just a tiny little bit off of the um, the drying line. and it, I wouldn't even call it a drying line, just the less wet line. <laughs> yeah. And you heard that you know the wheels went the wheels just started spinning so he eased off and tried to put his foot back down and then when he tried to reapply the throttle it just kicked him round and he went hurtling into the barriers and in a way a little lucky it wasn't any worse than it was yeah i mean if you there is an argument that he was probably a little bit too keen getting back on the throttle which is what yeah. caused him to actually spin but it was still a bit of a mess um but even so i mean you've got thousands of people there watching an empty track for yeah Two out, two hours in the rain. It's not, it's not ideal, is it? No. I think the wet weather procedures are something that need a serious looking at, even if it's just sticking some other cars on the track to provide a bit of entertainment while they're waiting. In in other series and even in Formula One in the past, we've seen sort of sweepers and things like that clearing the track, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they have them in MotoGP, um, so that if the rain kind of subsides a little they can get the track ready much quicker i'm sure i've seen it in australia as well um or somewhere where they've used like yeah, kind of definitely. rubber squeegee brushes to to clear the track well, um, i think indycar like and nascar that. use a similar sort of thing yeah so you'd you, you you'd be hard pushed to say why don't we have that yeah it's it's certainly something that needs looking at yeah um but yeah, Hamilton got his record in some style, however a second faster than anyone else on the grid. I mean, it's those sort of conditions are where he's at his best, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, and it, it not only was it like a second and a bit faster than anybody else, in Q3, you're sort of looking at him being 
two and a half seconds faster than yeah. the Ferraris. That's mad. Not bad. <laughs> um, it was a it was a sort of messed up grid before we even got to the penalties. Uh, Verstappen and Ricardo got second, third. Stroll did a damn good job to get fourth place. Yeah. Ocon impressive in fifth. Vettel could only manage eighth. Um, but then of course it was a penalty heavy race. Nine of the twenty drivers on the grid had some sort of penalty. <laughs> I think. Hamilton Would you like me to was... read them all for you? <laughs> Should we have, let's have a run through them, yeah. Yeah, okay. Max Verstappen, 20-place grid penalty for exceeding quota on power units. Daniel Ricciardo, 25-place grid penalty for exceeding quota of power units and an unscheduled gearbox change. Stoffel van Dorn, 25-place grid penalty for exceeding quota of power unit components. Sergio Perez, 5-place grid penalty for an unscheduled gearbox change. Nico Hulkenberg, 10-place grid penalty for exceeding his quota of power unit components. Fernando Alonso, 35-place grid penalty Lo and behold, power unit components. <laughs> Carlos Sainz Jr., 10 places, power unit components. Julian Palmer, 15 places, power unit components. And Roman Grosjean failed to set a time and was allowed to start the race. But uh, He also got a five-place grid penalty for a gearbox change because of his accident, I believe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the only person that started where they qualified was Lewis Hamilton. Um, yeah, <laughs> which, which admittedly would also be the case if the person in second got a twenty place penalty, but that's not the case. Um, it, it also the way they apply the penalties and the order they apply them it seems nonsensical to anyone else. So you've got a situation where <sighs> Verstappen qualified second, had a twenty place penalty, and lined up thirteenth on the grid. It's like it's so bizarre because they have. Because part of them they decided were applied based on the order they went out on the track in P1, I think it was. So you got this weird situation where the cars were like almost racing to get onto the track in P1 and Red Bull yeah. the best at it. So I think Ricardo was the first to have his penalty applied and then Verstappen was second, which is why they were higher up than their number of penalty places. It's t- To me, it should just be applied in the order that the penalties are received. So mm. it whoever is given a penalty first is dropped down to the bottom of the grid and then or wherever it is that they'll end up. Then if somebody else has received a penalty after that, their penalty is then applied and it should just be applied in the order that they've been accrued. Well that's the thing. We've known that um Van Dorn was uh, gonna be having a penalty for the best part of a week. And yet he was kind of towards the back half of drivers having penalties applied. It's... Yeah, you've got... Um, he he managed to get into Q3, didn't he, Van Dorn? He ended yeah. up 10th. Um, where did he actually start on the grid, though? <laughs> he actually started... Hang on. Van Dorn, he started 18th. Right. So I guess he had a... How many penalty places did he, he have? He should have had a 25-place grid penalty. <laughs> Yeah, so there's two cars behind eight. him. 25 plus 8 equals 18, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I've seen lots of talk this week of just the whole system needs a rethink and needs changing. The the severity of the penalties, I think, needs looking at as well and how they're getting them and why they're getting them. Um, just because for the last two races now, we've seen the... In- 
pretty much the entire bottom half being decided and reorganised based on penalties. And to have a grid that was, yeah, fair enough, we like mixed up grids and, and, you know, making it more interesting in the starts and early on in the race. But that had happened anyway, even before all the messing around with the penalties. Yeah, because of course. You had the two Red Bulls lining up behind the Merc, like obviously one on the front row alongside him. You had Stroll and Ocon, fourth and fifth, in front of Bottas and Raikkonen and the Finns. Uh, Sebastian was behind them. You got Stoffel, who managed to get through into Q3 and stuff like that. So, you know, the grid was already mixed up. So the argument saying, oh, yeah, but the penalties caused this, well, they didn't really because a lot of yeah. the grid was kind of back where it should have exactly, been by the yeah. time you moved everyone back around. So other than probably Ocon and Stroll, pretty much everybody was back where they'd ended, ended up anyway. Yeah, I mean, uh, Ross Braun and uh, Jean Todd both sort of insinuated that this is something they want to look at and change. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen quite a few suggested different ways of doing it online in the last few days, and they've all got their issues. I mean, a lot of people are saying you shouldn't punish the drivers for this, punish the constructors, so uh, give the constructors, um, like, take constructors points off them. But yeah. then... Do you want to be in a situation where a title's decided by who's used an extra gearbox or something? Is that mm-hmm. really the way we want to do things? And someone on Sky suggested that uh, you take practice time off the teams. Uh, but then Martin Brundle said, do we really want a system where we're reducing the amount of time cars are on the track for the people who paid there yeah. to see them, which is not ideal. It's... There was there was a potential suggestion that maybe would have worked, but... If- for some of the teams, it's it's not enough. And that was, um, I think it might have even been Ted Kravitz saying something along the lines of, if they need to go over this quota, they have to pay a set fine, like 50, 100,000 pounds, euros, dollars, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But then that money is taken and instead of being like kind of just put back into somebody's pocket, it's kind of going into... Um, road safety or um you know other charities yeah. that are involved and have affiliations with formula one uh which yeah it, it's an okay idea but you know fifty thousand dollars pounds euros whichever it is for an engine it's nothing to f- the likes of ferrari mercedes no, they'd, they'd be chucking a new engine in the back of it every single weekend exactly, yeah. for that so it's finding it's the balance be, it's got to be something that harms them in a way that money can't pay for, really. Do, which do is... I suppose you could do it as a percentage of winnings, as in, instead of being a set figure of yeah. fifty or a hundred thousand or whatever it may be, what you do is for every engine you take, it's five percent of your race uh, of your series winnings at the end of the year. So if you're yeah. the con- leading constructor at the end of the year and you'd get that huge chunk of money, if you've used four or five engines over and above, you're gonna lose sort of. 45% of yeah, it or totally. something. Ferrari wouldn't like that, that's for sure. Exactly. And it, but do I mean, it on a percentage. Even, you could even pump that money back into the pool that the other teams get rewarded out of, which might help yeah. to even up the prize money a little bit as well. Give us a call, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work it out together. Anyway, somehow in the end we got a grid in some order, uh, which was, it was nice to see a, a Williams on the front row and a force India just behind. Oh, um, just on the point of that, Williams actually, Lance Stroll, youngest ever front row sitter. Yes, take the record from was it 
Vettel held that record before, I think. I, th- I believe so. I couldn't be 100% yeah. sure, but I believe so. He holds most of the youngest <laughs> two have ever. Yeah. And other then, than winner, really, isn't it? Yeah, other than, than uh, since when Max did that, and yeah. that's now impossible to break as it stands. Yeah. So. Um, I've seen a lot of people say it was quite a boring race. I'm not sure I entirely agree, to be honest with you. Um, there was a bit of a lull, but... It genuinely depends on how you look at it, I think, overall. Yeah. Because to, to me, it was... There was interesting points. We nearly got a race towards the end, and I just really wanted Ricardo to be able to keep up that second lap yeah, that he needed. Too. Like, that... that kept me entertained enough for the last whatever it was 10 yeah 10 laps or so um i think the thing is it's not like he got held up at all like the speed he was passing people i don't think there's any yeah. more he could have done to catch uh, vettel at the end there yeah um but we're talking about the end of the race uh the start of the <laughs> <Yeah>. race <laughs> it was um it was a fairly clean start actually there was a little bit of argy-bargy in the middle. Uh, Massa and someone came together. Oh, no, Massa got forced slightly onto the grass. I think he came together with someone. Um, but the young guys at the start were very sensible. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like Stroll has gone from being a bit too reckless and accident-prone in the first half of the season to almost too cautious now. Yeah, he gave Ocon the, the position yeah, going into turn last one. Two or three races, up, there's been... I can't remember specifically what they are now, but I remember thinking a number of times that he seems to be almost overcautious now, which, you know, maybe is good for him. It's still his first year, maybe just getting some results under his belt. He's been scoring points. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a decent drive for him all in all. Was it seventh he finished in the end? Yes. Yes, it was seventh, which apparently is exactly what Williams had targeted despite him starting on the front row. So he's doing what's expected of him at least. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, we got so we got a nice few battles towards the start. Um, Bottas and Raikkonen once again found themselves side by side. Uh, in the first chicane, they bumped wheels slightly <laughs> and went side by side through uh, Curva Grande. Um, and Raikkonen managed to get the upper hand there. And then Bottas did even better on him around the outside of Parabolica at the end of the first lap, which was a mighty, mighty move to hang it around the outside of there. Um, yeah. And then held on down the main straight. Uh, then we also had Verstappen and Massa coming together in turn two, which gave Verstappen his puncture. It was, I think it was a bit clumsy all round, to be honest with you. I mean, trying to go around the outside of turn one is always a, a stretch there. Yeah. Massa we... didn't give him a ton of room, but I think they were both on the edge of control at that point anyway. It, it was really tight for Chicane, though. There, were, there was parts of the corner that there were three abreast and... That's tight for that little piece of track. Yeah, it's barely um, wide enough for two. Yeah, like when you, when you sort of go into that second left hander, that is quite a, a a tight corner, and you see so many people trying to make a move into turn one, become then compromised in turn two because of how tight yeah. it actually is, and then the the move from turn one doesn't always stick because of that. So having three cars between turn one and two trying to make that same corner is very, very tight, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it was a shame, though, because Verstappen was sort of starting to side his way through the field, um, yeah. but wasn't to be after that uh, puncture. I, I can only assume he picked up a fair bit of damage from that. Um because he did almost an entire lap with his tyre flapping around. Yeah, and the the other problem for him as well was it was far too early. He started on the softs. 
Yeah. Um, with the intention of going long, same as what Daniel Ricciardo did. And as soon as he got that puncture, it was far too early to go to super softs. So he ended up with another pair of softs, if I remember rightly, to get him the distance, which meant he ultimately had to make another stop to to do his mandatory change yeah, uh, in compound. Ideal, so it? it just you know it compromised him immediately and kind of ruined the race for him really. It, although he came home tenth, he brought home a point. Yeah, uh, a half decent recovery drive, I guess. Yeah. Um, then another coming together was Alonso and Palmer uh, into <laughs> turn four. Turn four. Um, Alonso at the inside and Palmer ended up cutting the chicane. I've not really seen an angle on whether Alonso kind of forced him off or whether he left room or not, to be honest with you. Because we had them in Belgium where Alonso basically forced Palmer off the track. I'm not sure it was the same sort of thing again, but Palmer cut the chicane, held position, and Alonso proceeded to complain for the entire rest of the race about it. Did you notice the radio message later on once Palmer had retired? It was it was a good twenty laps later or something like oh, that. Oh, when and um, when said, Alonso asked where he was, yeah, where's Palmer? And they said he's retired, Fernando, and he just went Palmer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, hmm. but yeah, he's he was obsessed with Palmer. He was, yeah. And I mean, that penalty, Palmer, he got he got given a five second penalty, which, yeah, fair enough. I mean. Again, if if they were a bit quicker on looking at these things, you'd think they could just get on the phone to Renault and say, give the place back. And there's no need for all this nonsense. I know it's easier said than done when you're looking at an entire grid full of cars, but yeah, it'd be nice to have those things sorted out straight away. Because basically that ruined Alonso's race because he didn't get another chance, so he was just behind Palmer for quite a while then. The only thing that I can't remember is if they were on different compounds at the time because the interesting thing was by the time they'd come around to make the decision that he needed a five second penalty for gaining the advantage by cutting the chicane he was nearly five seconds down the road from Alonso anyway so to then stop and get five seconds kind of put them back side by side almost Um, and I don't know if they were on different compounds but if they weren't, then that kind of shows how much more pace the Renault had than the McLaren, and you would have expected Palmer to just come back past him at some point anyway. Uh, let's have a look. No, they were both on softs at the time. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. So, ex- yeah, I mean, if he had got past, yeah, like you say, you'd expect the Renault to just slide up past on the uh, main straight again, wouldn't you, really? Yeah. But there we go. Alonso likes to have something to moan about every race, and that was what we had this week. Um, yeah, so obviously at the front, Bottas had managed to get back into second, and the Mercedes just kind of disappeared down the road. Yeah. Um, Vettel made about uh, working his way back through the pack. He got past Raikkonen very, very easily. Yep. No team orders there. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's... They, they keep saying there's no team orders and they're free to race, but you look at that and it's like... <laughs> there was a moment that that nearly went wrong, though. I don't know if you noticed it, but... That, it, it wasn't the most cut and dry letting pass. They yeah. seemed to have a little bit of a... I'm trying to remember to where do. they did it. Was it the second chicane? I think it was, yeah. And he eventually got passed like, on the way into the first Lesmo, I think. Yeah, and from, from memory now, I think what had happened is Vettel thought that... Kimmy was going to let him pass into the second chicane and then the door was suddenly closing and he had yeah. to back out and then 
Raikkonen was very clearly intentionally not that quick on the throttle coming out of that chicane yeah, to definitely. allow Vettel to take the position going into the Lesmos, as you say. Yeah. So, but yeah, very clear team order there, even if we didn't yep. hear it. Um, and then obviously the whole time we had Ricardo just scything his way through the field. Yeah. Um, I think the highlight of the race was when he made that mighty pass on Ocon. Um, you sort of tucked up behind him through Curva Grande, then kind of went to the outside, then jinked back to the inside just as they hit the brakes. Yeah. Uh, and then you had that awesome bit of uh, radio from the engineer saying Massa's next and he's alone and Ricardo said I like them vulnerable <laughs> yeah <laughs> he was just <laughs> having fun brilliant. he was just having that he really was he was having the time of his life in that race um, and obviously towards the end he made that lunge on Raikkonen from about half a mile back yeah it didn't even look like the move was on but yeah like um, David Cross and Martin Brundle the commentary were saying oh yeah he's, he's catching up now he's looked like he's going to be oh He's already trying it. Oh, he's passed yeah. him. Like, it just came out of nowhere. It was an awesome move, that one. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk more about it in, in a moment when we get to a certain section of the show. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it's, that's the one of the ones that stuck in my head for definite. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you say, it's a bit of a shame he couldn't quite keep up the pace to catch Vettel. Because uh, Vettel was... He was having sort of braking stability problems, wasn't he? Which kind of... Yeah, he did complain about... Uh, I can't remember what he said caused them now. I think... Did he have a little moment where he ran wide somewhere? He, I just remember him saying in the um, the little debrief room before they go to the podium something about he felt he picked up some damage somewhere and then was kind yeah. of compromised, which is why he couldn't gain any pace on the Mercs but, and why also he couldn't, he couldn't answer Ricardo. But... I don't know how true that is, to be honest. So that I think all weekend the Ferraris look like they just got everything really wrong. Yeah, they've really just struggled all weekend. Um, you, it's felt like a while. I mean, I don't remember the last time they won at Monza, but you kind of get the impression they feel so much pressure there that they just can't ever seem to get it right. Fernando Alonso, two thousand ten. That was quite a while ago. I know um, that because they said it about eight times in commentary. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprised you didn't know. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> um, yeah, I believe that's the last uh, time they won. If they were saying that during qualifying, um, I gave up and went to IKEA, so I wouldn't have heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was about the lot, really. It's uh, When we rattle through like that, it doesn't seem like there was that many sort of major talking points. I mean, it was pretty... It was just dominant from Mercedes, wasn't it? They yeah, they were running uh, pretty lean for the last third of the race, at least, weren't they? Just cruising home. I think as strange of a talking point as it is, to me, one of the talking points for the race is what did Ferrari do or not do to be just... Because obviously when... You know, when they qualified poorly, everyone was looking at that and thinking, ah, well, they know that it's due to be dry tomorrow. They've potentially compromised their yeah. quality and wet setup to get something that's going to be more capable come Sunday on in terms of race pace and take the fight to Mercedes. But then they were still just no way. Come on, you had a Red Bull closing them down on a second a lap. A Red yeah. Bull who, that is known for being a very draggy car that 
isn't good down the straights and has a Renault in the back of it. <laughs> well, a Takiwa yeah. branded Renault, but they, yeah, they sh- yeah they shouldn't have been where they were. They just seemed to get everything wrong, really, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and the Mercedes claims of struggling to um to sort of get away from Ferrari in in terms of like you know they think Ferrari's a, a huge threat i think monza this weekend maybe sort of showed that it's not that much of a challenge for him to keep away from Ferrari and maybe they overplayed their hand a little at Mercedes and showed what their true pace could be like because they were running on on sort of low low power for a lot of the race once they were out in front yeah. and they were still keeping away from the Ferraris. I, I don't know if they've they've upgraded something and something's changed during the season or I don't know what it might be, but I think... Or they've been playing it down a little bit all season, but there's something there still. I think we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks, but Singapore in a fortnight is going to be a real telltale as to where this championship yeah. might go, I think. Can I can I hazard a guess? Oh, hello. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> this is incredible. Where did you come from? <laughs> this is truly Live incredible. Live from Florence. Let's I've, get I've the been listening out of me. I've been listening for for three and a half minutes, just looking for the perfect point to, I didn't to jump in on you. <laughs> that is incredible. Welcome to the um, podcast, Stu. Thanks, guys. I'm not gonna. I will say I'm not gonna stay for too long. I, this, is, <laughs> this is a flying visit, um, but I will quickly hazard a guess as to why Ferrari um, are so much slower this weekend than they than they in comparison to Mercedes. Cool. And I think it's to do with the. I don't know whether you've covered it yet on this episode because I've only just joined, but I think it might be to do with the oil burn controversy. Yeah. We've not really talked about that. Um, uh, maybe and we I, should. I feel like maybe Mercedes have been leading them down a path that maybe Mercedes knew that Ferrari were pursuing that and Mercedes weren't, but they've sort of played it up to be bigger than what it actually is, knowing that they're not even using it anyway. Well, and knowing that Ferrari are. You are pretty right on that because the current limit, which was, uh, I want to say it was something like 1.4 litres per 100k Ferrari were already at that limit Mercedes however were already running at the level that's the new limit of 0.9 litres per 100k so over the course of the race the race is 300k so you're looking at three times that but uh, allegedly Mercedes were already operating at around about 0.9 anyway in terms of how much oil they were burning to, to enhance the combustion side of the engine so you could be nail on head there that yeah. Ferrari has struggled like, with that new limit. Not only that, the Red Bull has, was really, really close. Am I right? In, I, I've only seen the highlights, but from what I understand, the Red Bull was very, very close to the uh, the Ferrari by the end. How yeah. how, how far behind was Ricardo when he, he got with it? Hang on, let me have a quick look. See, he finished up four seconds behind Vettel. Um, four seconds, I mean, yeah, but he started fourteenth, didn't he? Sixteenth. Uh, yes. Um, so yeah, he he just sighed through the field. He was much quicker. I mean, I think he'd back. He could, probably could have been closer, but by the last lap, he sort of 
had backed off a little bit, I think. So where where would he have finished if he'd not started in 16th? Exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. bizarrely, the Rebels were fastest through the speed trap all weekend as well. Yes, um, by, by a margin as well. It seemed that's, quite that's a high crazy. margin. I think the I think now I think Ferrari have got a job on their hands keeping Mercedes behind. I reckon at Singapore they might struggle. But this is the thing, like we've always said that Spa and Monza, if Ferrari can win that, then they're looking good for the rest of the year. And when we get to Singapore, if Mercedes can win that, then they're yeah. looking good. I mean, Singapore is historically Mercedes' weakest track. Mm. It's going to well, be a very exactly. interesting one. That. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we said it a couple of weeks back, didn't we? If, yeah. if Mercedes do win there, they'll they'll win the championship for I've, sure. I think. I've got a little sneaking suspicion that obviously we'll probably cover it more next week going into Singapore, but I've got a sneaky suspicion that if this Red Bull's where it looked to be this weekend, then you know we might see them being the ones that push Mercedes at Singapore rather than Ferrari at this at honest, this current rate that we've seen this weekend. I mean, I'd know jumping the gun a little bit, but I think my prediction for the win there might be Ricardo. To be honest, I think they're <sighs> going to put up a real, real fight there. Yeah, give me an interesting one. Uh, I can't save find it, save the... it for the predictions. Uh, yes, James, Chris. Tune in next week. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you mentioned kind of the oil burn thing, maybe being a bit of a, a wrong turn. I did see something on Twitter that I can't find now. Uh, someone was kind of asking how much of a difference it makes. And there was a guy who has worked for F1 teams and he works in motorsport and he actually went through and kind of crunched the numbers on it. And I think he, from his calculations in like the most perfect of situations, he reckoned the difference in oil amounts would be at best a 10th a lap. I'd heard one to two tenths. And yeah. when I when I quote anything technical, generally speaking, I quote Ted Kravitz, who is a man I trust <laughs> and hold dear yes. in my heart because he's incredible <laughs> when it comes to technical information. Yeah, um, but he he was saying it was between one and two tenths. Um, but in Formula One, that is quite a long time. I mean, it is over a, over a race. That's yeah, six seconds, seven seconds, depending on the. And circuit. if you if you win a race by six or seven seconds, that's fairly comfortable. I know yeah. I know Mercedes were a lot further down the road than that. It was what was it? Um, Vettel was thirty six seconds behind seconds. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. So it was like thirty oh, seconds behind Bottas. Defeat. Yeah, thirty something seconds behind Bottas, who was then four or five seconds behind Lewis. Yeah. So mm, it's there's a lot more than a tenth of lap there, but yeah, yeah definitely. Like like we say, if, if Mercedes were already operating within the new regu- uh, the new limit, and Ferrari weren't, maybe it is hurting them. Yeah, but I that think would it, indicate I think it's really closed the gap between Renault and Ferrari now. Yeah, because I don't know if Renault were bothering with any of that crazy fancy oil burning stuff because they're struggling so much with reliability. They've not gone chasing the performance. Yeah, yet. not that I've heard. I don't think. I think they're one of the last ones to even try any of that stuff. At yeah. least. Right. Any, anyway, guys, I'm, uh, it, as I said, it was a flying visit, <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm, I must shoot off now and enjoy the rest of my holiday. <laughs> well, it's it's been emotional. Well, it was a pleasure having you. So go enjoy the yes, rest thanks of your for visiting trip. Us. Yes, thank you. Have a good time. Um, well, that was that was a nice fleeting visit from Stu. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess we can move on to drive of the day now. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. No, yeah, Stu brought up a really good point. To be honest, it's a good job he jumped in when he did because I'd. 
part of me had sort of forgotten. I knew about it and I'd yeah. understood everything that was going on with the oil burning thing and I thought about explaining it because we nearly touched on it last week, but yeah, it's a good job he drop, drops in. It really, is, yeah. Isn't it? Good time. <laughs> so yeah, drive of the day. Um, I think for me, it's really difficult to look past Danny Rick. It really is. Um, um, f- from where yeah. he started, some of the moves he made. I mean, I think worth giving a bit of a shout out to Ocon from starting as high up as he's ever started. He kind of kept his head, cl- uh, put in a decent drive, held off the Williams we were putting a lot of pressure on him towards the end yeah, uh, I, I th- to come home pers- sixth. Personally, I think if you were going to do that for Ocon, you'd maybe have to give Stroll a shout-out as well. Yeah, definitely. Because even though o- Ocon took him, Stroll stayed with him for the majority of the race from yeah. memory, and uh, it was only really been a little overcautious into turn one because of the what must be a huge adrenaline rush of going into yeah, that definitely. corner behind a world champion like Hamilton with multiple world champions <laughs> yeah. coming up behind you as well. Yeah, Stroll um, only finished uh, two and a half, three seconds behind Ocon, yeah. um, and he had Massa a few tenths behind him as well. I think that's that pressure. Uh, yeah, I think that's the only reason he was as far behind Ocon as he was because he ended up dropping away a little bit because of the fact that Massa was was attacking him towards the end. So he did well to keep his veteran teammate behind yeah. him. Uh, probably also worth mentioning Vettel um, with a supposedly not entirely working car he did a decent job to get a podium I think um, yeah. but like you say it's, there's, you can't look past uh, Ricardo, can you? No, I don't. not for this one I don't think no definitely not um, speaking of which move of the day um, I, I, like I mentioned Bottas going on the outside of Kimi at Parabolica was pretty impressive yeah, that takes um, some stones. That one. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that the headline move obviously is Ricardo's lunge up the inside of Raikkonen into Turn One. Um, personally, though, I think his move on Perez nearer the start was, if anything, a bit more impressive. I don't know how you feel. Um, uh, to be honest, it I really like the move into Turn One, not only because it's a it's. An, insane lunge from a long way back from Danny Rick and and to make it stick and not you know overshoot the corner and run wide or anything like that that was skillful in itself but to from Raikkonen's part the fact that they had the trust in each other yeah that Raikkonen kind of knew it could be coming and was sensible enough to react to the move when it did come and that Danny Rick had the faith in him to have a go in the first place. I think that just the combination of them both, like if he'd have been doing that against probably anyone in like a, a Williams or a Force India or something like that, they'd have been contact. I, I think yeah, that some of the possibly. less experienced drivers on the grid wouldn't have expected him to do it and you'd have been looking at maybe two races ended. Yeah, almost uh, certainly, in fact. So I think that's kind of why that one sticks in my head. Yeah, I but, can go with that. The the thing that you're talking about with Curva Grande as well, um, there's that, and then just the 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 number of dummies he sold people going into that second chicane yeah. after Curva Grande, he was so quick and planted round the curve, and then he was kind of faking people outside, so yeah. they were making their move outside, and then that was it. He was back round, he was inside, he was so late on the brakes compared to everybody else. That was that was his key. Now whether that's the car or that's him. I think, well, maybe even a bit of both, uh, but 
he's, he's such a good overtaker. I and it's like just I've a shame him... that he's always so far back. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him make similar passes at that point in the last few years as well. Yeah. Um, let's just say move of the day is Ricardo, and you can take your pick which move <laughs> you want to apply it to. Yeah, we'll just say him in general. Yeah. Um, next up. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? There's nothing too major this week, is there? No. Um, I mean, I want to give a shout out to the way the stewards handled qualifying. We had that mm. fun situation of we'll give you an update in 10 minutes and then the update in 10 minutes is we'll give you another update in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And then during that 10 minutes, it'll stop raining and then they'll say, oh, we'll resume in another 10 minutes then, by which point it started raining again. Yeah. So just, it stopped raining, put the cars out there. Yeah. Yeah, it drives me mad, that sort of stuff. Yeah, there's that. Um, Alonso's bizarre obsession with Palmer over the yeah. race. Is a bit of a weird one. Just that he was, it was so worked up by something so trivial, significant, really, yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, and then maybe just whatever Ferrari did or <laughs> didn't whatever do or whatever went on there that caused them to qualify so poorly and also have such a lack of race pace. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Alonso. To be honest, I, I feel like with Alonso, he. We all know he's he's been spent the last couple of years trying to put himself in the shop window. So if a, a drive appears at a top team, they'll want him. But I think at the same time he's probably putting teams off him. Like the amount of time he spends yeah. moaning about his car and his engine and stuff. Like, do you really want that guy in your car moaning to the world about it at every opportunity? I don't know if he's doing himself that many favors, to be honest. No, I. I think that he was very OTT um, he was this just weekend. Lit. Yeah, let's let's uh, give it Alonso. Yeah. We usually give Alonso one of the three awards, so he can have <laughs> so he's got that one. Week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on to predictions. Uh, it's a bumper week this week. I think the most predictions we've ever had, so thanks everyone for sending yours in. Uh, we've got another, another debut this week. <clears throat> um, so I'll quickly run through each category. Uh, fastest qualifier every single person said Hamilton which is unsurprising um, the win all but two said Hamilton uh, it was only Ika and Paul that went for Vettel first DNF is a bizarre one um, in a weekend where Palmer was the first to retire and both uh, McLarens went out nobody got first DNF right or yeah, even got close that is, that is so weird the, just the fact that Palmer, who's been a regular prediction for most of the season for for people joining in, and again, just if you can't think of one or you don't fancy the Saubers for going out first, you pick a McLaren, and like that's been the general trend. Yeah. It's been pick a Sauber, pick a McLaren, or much, Palmer. Yeah. It's like we pick had... one of those five, and <laughs> the week nobody picks one, <laughs> all three so go weird. out. <laughs> we had and four, Ericsson. four caveats um, of uh, Verstappen. Verline, Magnussen, a Signs, and a Grosjean. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, everyone with crashing history. Yeah, that's what that Palmer. is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a weird one. Oh. Uh, number of finishers. We had five people got that right, which was sixteen. Uh, Stu, that's life. Paul Kelsall, Craig Mitchell, and the guys anywhere but here all got that right. And everyone who didn't get a point there either said fifteen or seventeen. So yeah, we're all sort all of in the very close. There. 
Uh, and our random driver was Perez, who Craig Mitchell and our uh debut from uh faster than you 14 on twitter both got ninth place right again everyone else was seventh or eighth so we're all sort of in the ballpark there yeah uh some pretty decent scores we had a uh, we had another four from craig mitchell just just that one away from the uh clean sweep again yeah it's gonna happen <clears throat> we're getting closer it is definitely it's definitely upon us yeah, um, that's a good scoring week for Craig, though four points. It is, yeah. An- um, another good debutant, though. Another three point debut with faster than you fourteen yep, from Twitter. Yeah, solid three points there. Uh, anywhere but here got three points to take us up to five. Uh, Ika Sechiwati got a point to take up to ten point five. Craig Mitchell got four points, which takes him up to eleven. Uh, which means he's gained ground on Paul Kelso, who only got two this week. He's on fifteen mm-hmm. points. That's Life got three, which means they've caught me up a bit. They are now on 17.5 and I'm on 18 because I only got two this week. Uh, Stu's closed the gap a little bit more. He got three points. Yeah. He's on 20. And Tom, you're on 23. Oh, so it's all getting so very tight. close. Considering <laughs> That's Life missed a week or two, they're right on yeah. my half a point behind me now. That That's Life missed a couple of weeks. Ika and Paul both missed a good yeah. three. Um Craig, Craig started, Craig's only been doing it a few races. Yeah, he's and he, he's already table. closing in on everyone. So that's a interesting one. Yeah, and then the sort of the the three of us behind you are slowly creeping towards you as well. It's all yeah, it's all very tight. Got to book my ideas up for the next seven races. Yes. Um. Do you want to go through these other predictions that we had sent in? Well, yeah. Someone from Admit One podcast sent us some interesting predictions some of which could be construed entries to the general board but didn't answer all five categories so it was it was a prediction basically of quali would be hamilton vettel raikkonen with a race finish of vettel hamilton ricciardo and just says i think bottas would may struggle like at spa and kimmy won't all won't be able to keep up the pace either and a low downforce Red Bull could get up there, but would bet against Verstappen and see it being Danny Rick. So there's yeah. there's some prediction in there with the obviously the Hamilton stuff and then the Danny Rick stuff, but obviously the Ferraris were just nowhere. Yeah. Um, a good one here. Alonso will retire once he drops to 12th, having got <laughs> the McLaren up to about 8th in Q3. Um, he never got it that high in Q3, but he did sort of just, at one point, they just kind of gave up and he was very yeah. unresistant of the retirement, <laughs> wasn't he? Yeah, it's so, just like retiring the car, Fernando. He just goes, all okay. right, cool. Yeah. That is that is a horrible ploy that really messes with our game, though, in the sense it that is, we asked yeah. for a number of finishers and as as soon as that happened that ruined it for me because like they did that to get an unscheduled gearbox change because they can do it without a penalty if they retire yeah for mechanical reasons and And strategically he's down as a clutch failure i believe (laughs) fernando alonso's issue is down as a clutch issue which means they'll get to change that gearbox without a penalty as far as i know seems a bit suspicious doesn't it that teams do it all the time we know that they do it but it hurt my prediction. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really annoyed. <laughs> uh, what else did Admit One say? Um, um, I was saying Williams looked lost in the last couple of races, so I was thinking Hulkenberg for sixth and Ericsson for seventh. That's that bold. is a crazy prediction. 
possibly Palmer eighth as well. See, I still think Palmer will get some points if he manages to get a decent weekend together. Is there anywhere left on the calendar Palmer will have been in GP2? Let's see. Malaysia. Malaysia he'll have been at uh, Japan. He'll have been to yeah Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi probably. Brazil? No, not Brazil. I don't think GP2 mm. run there, do they? No, but Abu Dhabi tested. Yeah. He's going to get points at some point. He's got to. <laughs> we hope. I need it to happen to for my crazy mid-season prediction to come true. Yes. <laughs> So, um, yeah, thanks very much for joining in and sending us stuff, Admit One. But remember, if you do send all five categories, we can enter you on the board properly. Yeah. Uh, and if anyone <laughs> else wants to join in, uh, obviously, when we do our preview for Singapore, wow, <laughs> good job, Brain, uh, <laughs> we will let you know exactly what you need to predict then. Um, and you just send those in to us. Uh, you can get to us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1. We're on Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid. Same with Instagram. Uh, Backofthegrid.com is our website. Uh, You can find us all individually. I am at TNM Chris. Tom is at TomKing89. And Stu is at Stu underscore PX when he's not in Italy. Um, And I think that will do us for this week. Just to point out, Stu's Twitter handle is still the same even though he's in Italy. (laughs) It doesn't alternate them depending on location. (laughs) he's <laughs> got a different twitter handle for every country he goes to. <laughs> stew underscore it <laughs> <laughs> um oh yeah one final thing we mentioned the formula one game last week uh they have started today the uh first of the qualifying events for yes. their uh, competition it appears to be a race scenario around italy um and i think you're given a score based on your uh, total time, your fastest lap, um, driving clean laps, not using flashbacks, uh, what AI difficulty you've got. Um, and I think you have to drive as Perez around Monza by the looks of it. Um, so I'm sure we'll all have a go and not get anywhere near the top, but it'll be fun yeah. all the same. Um, yes, have a go at that. Let us know how you get on. If there's any other comments, questions, whatever, feel free to get in touch with us. And I think that'll do so this week. So thank you very much, everyone who sent in their predictions and thank you everyone for listening. And we will see you next week uh, to talk Singapore. Say bye, Tom. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more. Oh.